Excuse me, what is going on here? But first we're going to make a little detour. So absurd, so questionable. Yeah, I guess we're just the weirdos. Expect the detour. What's too much underwear? Like before, like what's too little underwear? So not a not a quantity of how many pairs of underwear are no, too much I mean, for you to you, wear. A quantity too. You can answer that question. Okay. But like we have such specific types of underwear and all of them are relatively sociable, acceptable. Where does it stop? I think the the fast food bag is probably where it stops. <laughs> I don't, I, I think everybody can agree that that one's frowned upon. Don't use that. Do you do you have like the extra fries in there? Or keep them warm. <laughs> yeah. Like you just yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine you're like, man, I am famished. And you go dig it rooting around like a <laughs> truffle pig. And you pull out a fry. Get you a tank fry. <laughs> Pop that bad boy in. <laughs> oh man. Someone's like, I'm I'm hungry. I haven't eaten. And then they just see you searching for gold and you give them a fry. Like Oof. what's their reaction to that? Nobody's like wants you to pull fries out of your or any food really out of <laughs> your underwear. It's not I limited think you, to fries. I, I think you you see somebody digging and it goes straight to your mouth. Your immediate thought is disgust. You're probably not thinking, "Oh, that's a fry." That's a <laughs> that's a secondary thought. <laughs> once you realize what's going on, the thing is too, how are you ensuring that the fries aren't falling out? Because you could just be leaving a Hansel and Gretel trail like <laughs> back to your house. Somebody could just like be picking up breadcrumbs and find you. That's the only thing preventing you from having fries in your underpants is the possibility that somebody could track you. Yeah, I like to keep a certain level of stealth about me. <laughs> and the crunching of the bag as you move your legs. Yeah. And the fry, your taint fries falling out is too much and not stealthy enough evan's worried about a cartoon detective following him around <laughs> with, yeah, with the double-sided hat and yeah the, and the uh the big magnifying glass like yeah. why does he need a magnifying glass the fries aren't microscopic you know like they're probably you can look at them he's just a detective with bad eyesight at that point what's the second weirdest thing if if, we're, if we'll, we'll say okay fries number one weirdest thing to pull out of your underpants Right, just in public. What's the second weird? I mean, other than your genital, that <laughs> that should be number one. I let me go back. There's an asterisk there. <laughs> let me go back. It, it, that should, yeah, obviously that's number one. So fries are number two. What's number three? Like, what's the third weirdest thing that you're like, ah, that, that guy just pulled this out of his pants? And I guess we're excluding prison rules, right? Because uh, prison's a different game, and that's storage. You know. <laughs> so not- in prison, somebody pull out like. You know, a key fob to a Toyota Corolla. And you're like, yeah, obviously that, that would be in sense. there. Yeah. That's where his cubby is. That's just where he stores his things if you're in prison. He's like a kangaroo. It's much more normal, I think, for somebody to probably carry things in their underwear in prison than it would be out and about. Okay, well then let's let's exclude prison rules then. I didn't realize those had such an impact. It's so. <laughs> on this discussion. <laughs> asterisk, two asterisk now. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Number one, asterisk next to genitals. Number one asterisk. thing, you can't pull that out in public. And then prison rules. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm glad we set the, param- <laughs> the parameters to this discussion. Then what's the third thing? Like, what's the next weirdest thing? I think a hedgehog. I think that, honestly, that yeah. would be a very weird thing to kind of pull out of your pants. To be like, hey, I found this. <laughs> like, like, 
Like you were confused. Like you like, didn't put it there. You yeah, just found like, it there. Like Alan, why are you walking like that? And you're like, hold on, let me investigate. <laughs> but you get the guy. You get the cartoon investigator to come mm-hmm. investigate for you. You know, root around there with a magnifying glass. <laughs> and he's like, oh, there's a hedgehog in here. That would be weird. You're looking at uncomfortable, but also very much alive. <laughs> so a lot of movement. <laughs> weird on two levels there. I would think it would be something like a portable fan you would get in an amusement park because you pull oh, it out and yeah. it's like what was it doing down there in the first place second of but all see, when you like, turn that on you're just blowing your crotch fumes into your face let's say it's a july day here in the south i mean if you got a portable fan down there you're probably thinking smart yeah yeah but and then like, to immediately go to your face and be like maybe you're blowing some loose hairs into your face ugh. um <laughs> some sweat that got on it you know thanks is that what we're happy with? I mean, it's, we're okay it's with weird. that. It's, it's weird, but it is the weirdest. No, I think we were saying taint fries were definitely number one. Yeah. Where we go hedgehog versus portable fan. I do say it's weird to have any animal in your pants. <laughs> um, I don't think it's specific to hedgehogs, um, but also weird to have machinery in your pants. Another layer with the, with the hedgehog is when you're saying, I got that hog in my pants. Uh. <laughs> There's going to be confusion as to which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but what if you're like a famous pop star and you're like, I have fans in my pants all the time. Mm. Oh yeah. Okay. See, then you just look like a common street whore. <laughs> you say that like an old Baptist pastor, like just <laughs> just any woman that wears leggings. What about some fireworks? Fire. Just like a Roman candle. Just okay, pop a candle out. like a whole sleeve of firecrackers. <laughs> yeah, those little balls that just pop when you throw them on the ground. <laughs> you never know when it's gonna go off. <laughs> but I mean, that would be kind of a crazy situation. You see somebody rooting around in their nether regions, and they just pull out one of those little pop balls and throw it on the ground like a magician. <laughs> <laughs> you just get like a Roman candle out and just start spraying into people's chests, you know. <laughs> As it whizzes by their that's, face, they're like, oh, That's not smell. the weirdest thing. That's just violent. Yeah. That, that, that is the equivalent of being like, what if you took out a, a switchblade knife and just stabbed somebody? What's weirder in that situation? You think stabbing is the equivalent of light harassment? I, <laughs> I think I'm just saying. <laughs> I think I'm just saying the weirdest part isn't the pants. The weirdest part is the violence. When they when they take a knife out, they've got one thing in mind. They're, they're going to, to inflict pain. They're not yeah. going to like cut an apple or something. Like there's no, there's nothing shocking about them stabbing somebody. Oh, what a twist a knife. though! As they pull out a knife, you think they're about to stab you. They go back in. They go back into the pants. Pull out oh. an apple. Yikes! And then they're eating off a taint blade. <laughs> <laughs> I think at that point, would you call that a circumcising the apple? If you pulled it from your pants? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's fair. You know. You know. I don't. I don't think it's any. I don't think it's any. Have we books. also have we hit hit our taint quota of how many times we can use the word taint? Yeah, Evans in been, one episode or is this total? I think I I want to say our contract says per episode. <laughs> okay, good. Is that like a we had to say it this many times? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We've been falling woefully behind. We're catching up now, though, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Put it all in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're really back way in this. It's kind of an annual thing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the taint episode. Um. Uh, welcome to Questionable Detour. Let's do a hypothetical. Dave, can I pose a somewhat abstract, purely hypothetical question? 
I guess I, I want to apologize for asking a hypothetical question. Well, that's a hypothetical question. So they say dogs are men's best friends. And people love their dogs almost or more so than their children. So when you hire a dog walker, you are putting your trust in somebody to take care of your four-legged companion. And as the three most trustworthy people in the world, we are constantly, I mean constantly, getting people asking us, can you walk our dog? So what do y'all do as a professional, experienced dog walker? For me personally. Well, I asked you the question, so it's always you personally, Evan. You don't have to preface your questions with this. Me personally. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to speak for you guys. Okay. And that's what Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is just a me thing. But I'm sure you guys will agree. And I'm going to go ahead and speak for you guys and say you, you agree with me. Okay. Um, one thing we always preach on this podcast is efficiency. So that's kind of the name of the game when I get into dog walking. It's about what can the dogs do for me, right? <laughs> is this efficiency or just selfishness? <laughs> Well, I don't want to waste my time in the day walking some dogs when I could be, what, you know, peddling some bikes bikes or black market jackets that mm. I get from the local stores. Um, you're taking people's jacket right off of them, aren't you? Like, you're just coming up behind people and just yanking on it and just... I have a reputable business and I will not be undermined <laughs> here today. Um, but I want to get paid for it, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, what I like to do is take the dogs back to my house and I use them as sort of a hamster wheel. Um, I don't like to pay for electricity, so I like to have a dog running on the hamster wheel in my basement at all times to kind of just keep energy pumping through my house. They're not good at it, but if they don't do it, who will? Let me ask you this. How long were you a hamster wheel person to create electricity before you switched to dogs? Because I assume you started out with the hamster, right? Like you were like... <laughs> You put a thousand little hamster wheels in your basement. See, that's a different way than where I was going. I thought Evan was the person on the wheel. Yeah, oh, okay. I okay. was the person on the wheel for. Got you. Years. Okay. Uh, you can look at my calves. But you were holding hamsters. <laughs> See that? You're holding hamsters though. <laughs> well, <laughs> like you're like in the hamster in, wheel. Yeah, they're like crawled over my back and on my shoulders and stuff. I just wanted the extra weight on there. <laughs> Uh, just to kind of keep the wheel pushing. You chose the weighty, <laughs> the heaviest animal you could think of. I didn't want that much weight. Just like <laughs> that one or two pounds to just really push me over the edge. Wait, one or two pound hamster? No, that's a big hamster. Hamsters. Yeah, multiple hamsters. Oh, okay, so like, okay, I got Adding you. up. So it was about 16 hamsters Wait, on my I, back. I assume you just yeah. threw them in a trash bag and just kind of over your shoulder? It was a mesh bag and they kind of just bounced around the whole time, yeah. <laughs> they had fun. And you gauged this by how dead they were. How how much they were squeaking the entire time. Yeah. So anytime you hear a squeak, you think that that's something that thing is expressing joy? They wouldn't make the noise if they weren't happy. So if we open a door and the door squeaks, you think that door is enjoying being <laughs> it's opened? jubilant. It it's is doing what it's supposed to, you know? Fair and, enough. And according to Evan, hamsters are supposed to be thrown in a bag and then used as weights. <laughs> Serving its purpose. Let me ask you this. In your basement, mm -hmm. since you consider hamsters to be weights, do you have a whole home gym based around lifting hamsters? I do have a whole fitness routine <laughs> that centralizes around hamster weight. And I've been trying to do squats lately. Sure, yeah. I mean, really work on the tight. Yeah, just the, <laughs> just the, the, the gripping tight. thighs that I have. The just tight the... glutes. Oh. <sighs> 
Wow. Listen, God, if you don't, they can't see right now. Evan's just standing up, squeezing his glutes. <laughs> he's creating diamonds with the amount of pressure. He's got one leg on the ground, one on the table. <laughs> just absolute flexing. Oh man, he's sweating too. Like he's. <laughs> I oiled up for this, boys. Yeah, we can tell you. <laughs> don't disappoint. You didn't even open the door all the way. You just kind of squeeze through the crack. <laughs> so you've been you've been working on your squats. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. How um how'd you do that with hamster weight? Well, you know, I've been squatting about uh, close to three hundred these days. Three hundred hamsters or three hundred pounds? What's the difference? You know, uh, what is the difference? How? Hey, the you the producer it. we have here that's totally here. Look up how much a hamster weighs. 3.5 to 5.3 ounces. Thank you, the producer that sounds exactly like Evan. Um, <laughs> so, so can you, uh, the producer that sounds exactly like Evan, how many hamsters would it take to get 300 pounds? 16 ounces and a pound. Sure, okay. You don't have to walk me through the math. You just So that's three hamsters a pound. So, so that's... Th- and don't, don't like try and correct us or try to prove us wrong on this math. It's 100% right. You don't have to go check it. This is... An we educational have MIT podcast. Professors on a chalkboard in here. A large hamster's five point three ounces. <laughs> so sixteen ounces in a pound. So we're assuming f- three hamsters per pound. If we're talking three hundred pounds, that's nine hundred hamsters. It's like watching Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> like the janitor that's just doing some crazy math. You and Evan, how many how many bushels is that? <laughs> So right now, logistically, for you to squat three hundred pounds worth of hamsters, so you would somehow have to contain nine hundred hamsters. Yes. How are you going about this logistically? You know the rolling balls that hamsters have. Absolutely. Imagine that, but about five times the size. I put about four hundred and fifty hamsters in each one. I kind of let them roll through the house and just kind of get a feel <laughs> oh for the ball. God. It's like the ball from Indiana Jones when he's <laughs> running away from it. Yeah. Four hundred and fifty hamsters in a plastic ball. <laughs> yeah, just I want them to get a feel for the ball so they can get comfortable. So when I start lifting, they don't get freaked out because they're not alive anymore. Listen, <laughs> they I don't want them to freak out. So eventually, you know, they roll themselves out, and then I hook them on to the end of my bars, and I start lifting. You just start squatting. Just start going to town. There's, there's I say big... hammies. Look at these gluteys. You know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to your muscles, but with a hamster pun. Yeah. Now, you brought us a show-and-tell situation here. Go ahead and put that dumbbell, the hamster dumbbell, on the table. Go ahead and do that for us. Wow, God, that's Mm. super heavy. Um, This right here in front of us, this dumbbell, is not a a dumbbell attached to a couple hamster balls. It is a piece of iron rod that has been sharpened on both ends, and you've just (laughs) shish-kebobbed. About seven hamsters (laughs) on each side. So... (laughs) Explain. <laughs> Got to get them on there somehow. <laughs> They're quick. But you're quicker. <laughs> <laughs> Are you running around your house with just, I assume, loose hamsters? There's no way if you have as many hamsters as you do, they're not loose. Are you yeah. just going around just kind of like stabbing at the floor? It's about the ethics for the hamsters. You're big on ethics as you, um. sta- as you skewer <laughs> hamsters onto your barbell. I don't want these hamsters to be used... For anything, you know, that they wouldn't want to be used for. Right, right, right. right. So, I lift weight with their dead bodies and that's it. 
I big, keep it big sacred. consent guy. Yeah, <laughs> he asks each one of them. He lays on his floor on his belly with his legs kicked over. You know, like he's a girl talking on the phone. <laughs> and he's just, just like he go- my finger to my chin. Yeah, just- and he just picks one up. And he's like, "Are you okay with this?" Ooh. And he goes to the next one. Are you okay with this? We're having such a good time. <laughs> it just goes from hamster on the right. He picks it up. Are you okay with this? The hamster obviously is not, but does not have the capabilities of speaking the sure. language. It squeaks, so it I know squeaks. it's happy. And then you just stick it on a skewer right to the left, right? Is that how that works? Pretty much. Yeah. I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I imagine your workouts are just like a montage, uh, like an 80s montage. I assume it's like a Dolph Lundgren like workout where he's just like, you're just shirt off. You don't look like Dolph Lundgren, so it's kind of gross. <laughs> and like you're sweaty and you're just like lifting different things and like you have a bunch of hamsters in a trash bag. Like if a pulley with those pulleys and it's just <laughs> lifting the bag up over a bar <laughs> over and over and you're just like listening to like 80s, like upbeat 80s music. What's mm-hmm. what's Evan's workout song while he's doing this? Eye of the Tiger, but every time the tiger, like that lyric comes up in the song, it's Evan that he has pre-recorded over that saying mm. hamsters. Uh, I record it. I distribute it. <laughs> uh. You wear many hats in the the business industry. I've been saying it's economy has been tough. You got to find your footing somewhere. From yeah. a dog walker, I thought <laughs> to bring it back around to the dog walking <laughs> was which was the original question. This is about dog walking for yeah. about three seconds. Yeah, I do um, want to say none of this is my fault. <laughs> um, the amount of animal abuse that you've committed. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's starting to look a little dumber, and I don't like it. Um, <laughs> don't like the look of my past. Gotta say, doesn't reflect well in my dog hey, walking business. We're not, hey, here, we're not going to define you from your past. Only what you're becoming. Yeah, but and my Google that review is well. a 10 to 15 lifer for animal abuse. Yeah, yeah. Just doesn't look good for my dog walking business, I will say. Don't ride the to dog walking business. God. Because <laughs> I will be ruined in the dog walking space. Yeah, you're so well liked. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alan, let's answer this question. <laughs> I'd love to. How are you revolutionizing the dog walking industry? Yeah, so I'm in the dog walking industry, but to be honest with you, I'm pretty lazy. Um, sure, sure. I'm, I'm looking for any way that I can do my job without actually doing it. So instead of dogs walking, I would rather put a dog behind the wheel of a car <laughs> and let it drive me. I think that's revolutionary. You're mm-hmm. um, not underselling what dogs can do. Yeah, I think they've got the ability. I think they've just been pretending not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so they don't have to. You take Floofy, which we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a full-blooded Shih Tzu, and uh, then you take the Pontiac Sunfire, yes. and you just <laughs> put that little dog in the front seat. I guess you just what put a brick on the gas pedal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that maybe you have one on the floorboard working the pedals. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe another one or two, depending on sizes, you know, working the wheel. <laughs> That's it. So I, I know you've run a bunch of tests. You've done a bunch of clinical trials because mm-hmm. you're a learned man. You're, yeah. you're, you don't do anything on a whim. So what have, what, have, what have you seen in your research? You know, we've seen a lot of death. Um <laughs> And but that's apart from the car accidents. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. We we have as we've been driving down the road, there's just the streets are littered with dead people. <laughs> that's the death that we're seeing. 
Um, is it because we hit them? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm in the back seat, kind of doing You're my own thing. Seat. You're well, in the car. I, I may be lazy, but I'm still responsible. <laughs> and I've got a leash, you know, attached to these dogs as they're as they're driving the car. So I'm technically still walking the dogs. God, it's just Alan in the back seat of a car, and that car is running, sideswiping a wall. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. rough. He's just like bouncing around. It's like, man, this. This so fur sucks. <laughs> As he sees a lady go over the windshield and out the back. The last thing that lady sees while she's rolling on the ground behind the car is your I love my shit zoo sticker on the back. <laughs> yeah. She's going to think, finally done it. The dogs are taking over. She's going to think this is a Planet of the Apes style thing, <laughs> but just with dogs. She's probably ready to go. If, if, if that's what she thinks society's turned into, she doesn't want to stick around. Yeah, she's like, God, I'm glad I'm about to hit my head. I hope one of these brittle bones punctures a lung. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be the most chaotic scene as you put somebody's boxer in the front seat of a PT Cruiser and mm. they just back out right into somebody's house. Yeah, it, it doesn't always work. Um, you just get the dog out and be like... We gotta find you another car. We just try again. <laughs> and thankfully, what's cool about living in a neighborhood is that you're really never in any shortage of vehicles. That's true. <laughs> or, they, or families that you can ruin. Or families that you can ruin. <laughs> One quick question for you. Are any of your dogs governmentally licensed drivers? Any of them have their CDL? Uh, yeah, 18 wheeler. The long haulers. Yeah, yeah. So we usually give uh, big trucks to the big dogs. <laughs> what is CD? Bernard's, you know, a Portuguese is, water dog. <laughs> what does CDL stand for in this context? Um, a cool dog license. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, when you when you get your your cool dog license CDL, you get a collar that just says CDL on it, and then a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> Those are cool dogs. Is that eighteen wheeler hauling bricks? tears through an intersection mm-hmm. <laughs> and just takes out about 27 cars. But it's like it's like anything that you do. As long as you look cool doing it. Nobody's going to ask questions. Who's going to care? Yeah. Think about that dog kind of arm hanging out the window of that truck. Marlboro, you know, red in between his paws. Cool as can be. <laughs> as he T-bones. A little old lady just trying to make it to Goodwill. <laughs> yeah. He gets, people are angry at him. He gets out and be like, he gets out of that car after he just destroys. The old lady's car is a mangled mess. He gets out and people are like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> they kind of see the confidence that he walks with as he has that chain that goes from his his belt to his wallet, you know, like he's, they, they Which, see he's a cool he's guy. Not wearing pants, so he's, he's not wearing pants. He's dragging on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> he walks up to the car and puts his cigarette out on the destroyed vehicle. But it lights up because gas is leaking. <laughs> so now there's explosions. He has like a cool catchphrase when he walks off or when he views the accident, like, uh, good boys, bad intentions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. How about airplanes? Are you planning on putting canines in control of airplanes? And was your first test in 2001? (laughs) Oh, yikes. (laughs) 
We have not gotten dogs into the air yet. Those dogs, <laughs> back in 01, was not my responsibility. <laughs> you can say there are dogs, though. They may have been. They probably were. It, I mean, it was a crash, you know? It wasn't successful. Or was it? <laughs> Depends on how you look at it, yeah. <laughs> it's all about uh, relativity. Yeah. <laughs> Point is that was not on me. I was in the second grade, um, <laughs> so no, no planes for you. No, not yet, not yet. <laughs> when you get air travel involved, it's a whole new ball game. You got to kind of yeah. start hot air balloon. Okay, yeah. You a just sell, gotta, you just sending dogs off into the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> Strap yeah. them to a weather balloon. <laughs> I mean, NASA already kind of did that with just sending chim- chimpanzees into space, right? Like they were they were ahead of the game there. Yeah, but they look kind of stupid doing it. We don't see any chimps driving cars, so apparently they failed. Whereas for you, you've succeeded in dogs driving. I succeeded where the primates failed, Mm. and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think it's great. I think dog chauffeurs instead of dog walking is great. I think that's going to help out a lot of the elderly trying to get to their places. Final resting place, yeah. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> It'll send them on to old glory pretty quickly as that dog rolls the <laughs> that Lincoln Town car down Main Street. And Mercury Marquis never saw it coming. <laughs> That's good. Make them drive. Don't walk them. Okay, well, here's, here's me as the professional dog walker. I also don't want dogs to walk. I am also relatively lazy. Not as lazy as you, but lazy. So I have hired... My man, Lewis, who is a Vietnam veteran, a Vietnam Chinook pilot. <laughs> and me and me and Lewis are close because I let him I, I let him sleep. <laughs> I let him sleep on an air mattress in my garage. <laughs> the car's in there. He's really squished. He's really squished over to the left, but he doesn't have high standards because he has PTSD and he wakes up in a cold sweat most of the time. So what I have done is me and Lewis have devised a plan where I'll walk up to this upper middle class suburban house and this old lady gives me this ugly little crusty white dog and I give her the pleasantries that you might think and I take the dog and I hook a very sturdy vest to it. And she's like, excuse me, sir, why do you need this very sturdy vest? And I say, ma'am, give me one second. And she starts hearing those Chinook helicopter blades coming above her house. And she looks off to the left and there's this hook just... (laughs) (laughs) There's this hook coming from the Chinook helicopter. He... Lewis forgot to wheel it in, so it's just hanging and just banging off of light poles and off of people's cars, <laughs> going through people's roofs. But but I I eventually catch this Chinook hook <laughs> and I hook it to this dog, and then Lewis takes off <laughs> with this dog just hanging from this helicopter. <laughs> Sometimes he gets high enough; other times he kind of misjudges how low he is. And this dog, sometimes the dog becomes like a wrecking ball as we send a boxer through somebody's front window. Just toppling trash cans. <laughs> yeah, toppling trash cans. and It was trash day. <laughs> it's always trash day. And, and, um, 
and I, we just go to each client that we have. And I go to the next house on down the road. Here comes Lewis and that 1960s Chinook with an already dog just hanging off it. Freaked out. The dog's freaked out. Lewis is freaked out. He didn't know what he was getting into. I, I then hook the next dog, a little bit bigger, lab to the hook. <laughs> and Lewis takes off. A few, a few dogs down, you know, we've got five or six dogs on that hook. The final house, I put the final dog on, and I stand on the edge of the hook, and I just get lifted off like Mary Poppins. <laughs> just <laughs> off into the sunset, over the horizon with <laughs> these dogs. You and a bunch of dead dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you and a bunch of battered dogs. They're not dogs. all dead. They're not all dead. No, no. The first couple are. He had to gauge the distance. <laughs> but by the third one, he had figured it out. Right? Like he had got higher and <laughs> uh, he got higher than the roofs. Now, Lewis was. <laughs> was he a it's Chinook? Lieutenant Lewis. The people that don't know him. <laughs> was Was Lieutenant Lewis actually a Chinook pilot in Vietnam, <laughs> or was he just a soldier in Vietnam? <laughs> So he was a cook that got burnt and got a VA <laughs> pass on going to the war. We just found the Chinook. <laughs> so in the end, it's you and these battered dogs on this chain just looking like an ASPCA commercial because they're just beaten and bruised and some of them are dead. They all look so sad. And it's just in the arms of the angel and then it's just like you with the hook on your back and you're kind of just like hunched over <laughs> hanging I, from the chain. But I have angel wings on. <laughs> I'm the angel who's, whose arms are around the dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like a whole like nativity scene situation. Like we, we, <laughs> we find shepherds. So when Lewis pulls up in his Chinook helicopter, you hook the dog on the chain. You yep. do your little hand signal. Lieutenant Lewis, by the way. Lute- sorry. Lieutenant Lewis pulls up. Uh, you do your little circular hand signal. Tell him, good to go. All yep. good. Does Lewis ever get any PTSD flashbacks? Does he have any PTSD episodes while he's piloting this helicopter? They ever start firing into houses? <laughs> um, so, yeah, he'll get some PTSD flashbacks. Really, the ones where he's thinking a, 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 a missile has locked onto him. Mm-hmm. So he'll yank that yoke really hard back. He'll incoming, incoming, incoming. And those dogs from ground level just fling up in the air. <laughs> and around. And like he'll stop. He'll come out of it. And those dogs are still just kind of swinging. <laughs> Pulling some serious G's up there on that line. Cord's getting chopped by the blades of the helicopter as it goes around. Yeah, the cord gets chopped, and those dogs just fly. They're just gone. <laughs> he turns on a, turns on flight of the Valkyries like it's <laughs> like he's Duval in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The dogs go flying. We don't go look for them. So like at the end of our shift, we call it a shift. I get to the landing pad about the same time as Lieutenant Lewis does, and we just kind of he gets out of the helicopter. And we just kind of look at each other. We're like, oh well. <laughs> No dogs have uh, made it out. So, like a good soldier, we pack it up and do it the next day. Because, I mean, it's a game of numbers. Eventually, who, who eventually works we get for it right. who? Do you work for Lewis or does Lewis work for I you? I think we both work for God. <laughs> I think Part of a higher calling. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Lewis has like the old like Catholic Presbyterian priest collar on. You know, the little white 
square. But it's just the collar. Everything else is whatever he wears in his normal day to day. And, you know, it's just the white collar. He'll wear, like, his normal, like, camo, but just the, he'll just have the white collar on. And, you know, Lewis has really taken to the Lord. Oh, uh, but of the dogs that we did walk successfully, we'll do, like, the old school, like, landing that you see in Vietnam back at the owner's house, you know, where Lieutenant Lewis will land that 20, 30 foot Chinook helicopter right in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And we'll, I'll be in the, the back of it yelling, go, 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 and just tossing the dog out. Yeah, ducking as you exit the. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, you know, jumping on the ground with my 1960s M16, yeah. but just firing around <laughs> into the house. <laughs> Just providing cover for the dogs. You know, I'm... (laughs) (laughs) Of course. You want them to get to the house safely. (laughs) Suppressive fire is obviously necessary. necessary. Dog walking. (laughs) There you go. Dog walking. If you want us to walk your dog, let them get some exercise. Come to us. We'll let your dog drive a motor vehicle, operate heavy machinery, or... We'll attach your dog to an old Vietnam helicopter and just, I, I think, just fly him around town, <laughs> I think. And, or maybe Evan will take him. It'll be questionable what happens to him because <laughs> he'll take him into a house of horrors. Horrors. I need to make sure that is clear. It's horrors. <laughs> horrors. Not just horrors. <laughs> I mean, I don't, know, I don't know the, the prostitute situation in your house. There's, there's both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So you don't have to specify. Send us a picture of your dog. We'll get them. We'll get them hooked up to my Chinook helicopter. But a lot of people come to the Questionable Detour podcast for a lot of things, whether it be advice, facts, you know, just overall wisdom and health. But uh, one thing that people come to is our vast knowledge about movies and movies that maybe a lot of people don't know. So we're about to we're about to tell you about some movies. So sit back, get some corn, and uh, let's have uh, movie time. All right, the next segment is movie time. For those of you who do not remember, we're going to run through some old movies, and we're just going to guess what we think these movies are about based solely on their strange titles. So these movies are going to be from the 60s. First one we got here. A Man for All Seasons, which is something that we've been called many times. <laughs> Sounds like a movie about a uh, a winch. Um, just a whore. <laughs> <laughs> just someone that has a man in every different season of the year. Mm-hmm. Four men throughout the year. One for winter, one for summer, one for spring, one he for just trades them. She trades them out like they're shifts. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, I, can take, I got the next shift. Summer solstice comes and she's like, ah, <laughs> get out of here, Steve. Yeah. Bring me the next. <laughs> I think this movie is about men that just are carrying seasonings in their pockets. And, you know, just it, it's about a chef that is just is struggling to make his restaurant productive and, uh, and profitable. So he's just, he's found these men that just carry around some oregano. <laughs> In their in their pockets, just loose. <laughs> oh, do you, there's a man for rosemary too. There he is. He has them in his po- oh, his cargo shorts. Lots of rosemary, <laughs> and they just carry seasons around. <laughs> I think this movie is about a weatherman looking for love. He he's there during every season, <laughs> and he knows all about the seasons. He knows 
when those cold fronts are coming in. <laughs> he knows when it's hot outside, you know? I mean... He knows when it's hot inside, too. He knows when it's hot inside. He's got those seasons down pat. There's only four of them, not a, not a lot to memorize. <laughs> but he knows them, is the point. <laughs> he just knows the seasons? It's summer. It's winter. <laughs> Next one we have is... The spy who came in from the cold. I think this is about a spy, obviously. He's also a hypochondriac. Mm. Any little thing ends him up in the hospital. So he falls in love with this nurse on one of his routine hospital visits when he was in there for just the common cold. Um, very lightweight when it comes to pushing through uh, pain. Strong so, strong in love, weak in immune system. Right, exactly. <laughs> She was pumping morphine through his veins oh, for man. this common <laughs> cold. I'm addicted. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he kind of fell in love in, in the midst of the morphine. Yeah, I was going to say, did he fall in love with a girl or the morphine? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie is about a very bad spy. Like, he's not good at it. And he couldn't stand how cold it was when he was, like, watching somebody's house gaining intel. And it got so cold, he just kind of walked in their house. He was like, I can't be out there anymore. <laughs> it's it's too cold. He just kind of blew up his position. He didn't bring in big enough jacket. Yeah, he <laughs> didn't, didn't prepare. He came in with binoculars and, I don't know, radar dish. <laughs> what a spy's ass. <laughs> I think that this is about a spy who, similar to a man for all seasons, he's he's only active during the summer. He will not. He, he came in from the cold, and he will not go back. You will only use this spy if you have a mission in the Bahamas, <laughs> little South American trip. He's okay with the humidity. He just he won't work in the cold between June and September. That's, yeah. <laughs> if the temperature dips below forty four, he's he's like he's packing up. I'm going yeah. home. He's <laughs> pretty iffy. All right. The next one is they shoot horses, don't they? I think this movie is about a farmer who's being plagued with demon horses. And, you know, it's, it starts out as a horror film, very scary. And he, he starts shooting these horses. He's, he's conquering his demons, so to speak. And the twist at the end is it's just kids playing in horse costumes, one at the butt, one at the head. And they're running around in his yard. It turns out he's just been kind of sniping them from the crow's nest the whole time. Comedy. <laughs> Depends on you ask. I think this is an adventure film. Uh, I think it's about kind of like an evil Knievel-esque type guy who uh, gets shot out of cannons, uh, does some flips, you know, just does death-defying stuff. But a lot of it involves getting shot out of bigger and bigger cannons. So eventually he goes to another larger circus and sees a gigantic cannon and he's like what in the world is that for so you know he kind of the day goes on and eventually he gets to the night show and he just sees just a bunch of horses next to the cannon and it finally dawns on them they shoot horses horses, don't they (laughs) uh very good i think this one is about a farmer whose horses recently passed away um died of pneumonia and he's (laughs) in This one did. (laughs) It might be a person in a horse costume. (laughs) And uh, he's getting this horse stuffed by a local taxidermist, but that's not enough. He wants pictures of this horse. So he's 
it's about him going around town to local photography joints and saying, hey, do you guys shoot horses? <laughs> the next one is Wait Until Dark. This is about some rednecks that just don't want to play by the rules. Mm. They think normal deer hunting is just too boring. So one day they're out. And I mean, they've got normal deer hunting all their lives. But, you know, it just is starting to get boring for them. So one day they were out hunting and guy sees a deer. He's about to shoot it in the field. And his buddy leans over. He says, wait, hold on. <laughs> wait until dark. <laughs> we can see too much. <laughs> we can see too much. We can see the deer. This is too legal. <laughs> Uh, let's wait till it's dark when, I don't know, maybe the game warden might come if he hears a gunshot. Um, I think this is about a, a few astronomers that probably aren't the sharpest tools in the shed and they're trying to look for the moon. But they keep going out, out during the day. They're like, that moon's really bright. <laughs> and slowly they're becoming blind until like one person's like, oh, you want to see the moon? You should wait until dark. <laughs> Up next, we have uh, the brain that wouldn't die. I think this is about a guy named Brian who is wearing a bulletproof vest. And assassins keep trying to kill him, but they keep on hitting the bulletproof vest. And he's just not, he's not dying. And one of the assassins, who's a poor speller... <laughs> Writes back to the boss. <laughs> and he goes, the brain that won't die. <laughs> it was it a short story? <laughs> the brain that won't die by Assassin One. Yeah, but he misspells Brian. He's just, you know. I think this is about a seventh grade biology class that they started learning about human anatomy and they're on the topic of the brain. Well, they were making model figurines in class of the brain, kind of sculpting what it would look like. And you don't want it to be this white clay. Brains aren't white. So they were trying to dye them pink, and all but one of them would die. <laughs> and that just, that one brain wouldn't die. <laughs> it sounds like a riveting movie of just yeah. so confused <laughs> school children. Yeah. It's quite literally watching paint dry. <laughs> Next we have 2,000 Maniacs. <laughs> this is a movie all about the voices inside of Zach's head. Mm. It's just constant screaming. Just 2,000 of them. <laughs> just constant Two screaming. 2,000 Maniacs. They don't even speak English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's literally just high-pitched screaming. <laughs> it's mostly just French. <laughs> <laughs> Long cigarettes. <laughs> I'm glad I got to star in a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's all about you. <laughs> all right, and the last one is Panic in Year Zero. I think this movie is about a a family of cavemen. Well, th there's women there too. It's, <laughs> it's not just men. It's a, it's a a family of early humans, <laughs> and you know, it's a it's a mirror image of what goes on in the modern world. They they were just like us. They were thousands of dollars or rocks and debt <laughs> whatever they used for currency the, the husband is stressed out and the wife is mad at the husband for not paying her, her any attention and 
she goes out and has an affair with a brontosaurus, and mm. the family just can't recover. There's no orphanage in year one. They just kind of toss the kids off a cliff in a bag. You know, it's a panic in year zero. I think this movie's about just some prehistoric cooking. They're trying to cook, but there's just a little bit of ick on the pan, and they just can't quite get it off. Uh, so it's just dirty all the time, and they can't deal with it. How are they supposed to cook their food if their pan has ick on it all the time? <laughs> it's year zero. They haven't invented dish Dawn soap yet. Dawn dish soap yet. What are they supposed to do about this ick all on the, the pan? Pan ick. Just, so much just ick. So, so much. much they don't have Dawn dish soap. They have pans. Yeah. I think this movie is a war film that takes place in the Flintstones universe, <laughs> where uh, Fred Flintstone is. The equivalent of a B-52 bomber pilot, (laughs) but he's just piloting the pterodactyl. And it's about him infiltrating a base, his enemy cavemen, and rescuing his family. I don't know why the family was involved in the war. Why was the family involved? (laughs) I think if I'm... And I'm flipping through the script now. (laughs) I'm seeing that... Fred Flintstone is actually a he's he's a pillar of the uh, pillar of the community and he's he's the leader of a terrorist group. <laughs> the the enemies he's running a bombing raid. <laughs> <laughs> they said that if we steal his family, boy, will that get to him? It'll turn their organization upside down. His family were was at the equivalent of Guantanamo Bay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, very good. Movies, again, Hollywood, hire us. But as we end it, if you have a hypothetical you want us to answer, advice you need from the three wisest people you know, or just facts about anything on this planet, write us in, questionwithdetourpodcast at gmail.com. But as we end it, guys, y'all want to give the Saturday workers a one-liner wisdom. Sure. Thank you for your consent. (laughs) (laughs) You can cook and eat pork shoulder. But it's more important to give pork a shoulder to lean on. Mm. <laughs> like, have a pig cry on you? Yeah. Okay. They, they go through tough times, too. Yeah, they do. If your pipes are clogged up, don't call a plumber. Just mix gasoline and vinegar and pour it down the drain and see what happens. <laughs> Does it have to be gasoline and vinegar? Could it just be, like, anything you have on your sink? Scientifically, that's the mix. I didn't... <laughs> I didn't make this up. This is just a piece of wisdom passed down from generation to generation in my family. I thought you were going to say, don't call plum her, call plum him. (laughs) Well, I would never trust a plum her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But (laughs) very good. Y'all to be done. Yes. Expect the detour.